Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 537 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how's things going? Pretty good. I took my PDDs and I'm ready to go. Your PDDs? My performance diminishing drugs because oh. I'm so good at podcasting. I take them to level the playing field for all other podcasters. So, you know, I bring it down, you know, take off some of my natural God-given abilities. That way, you know, I'm not too good, you know. Gotcha. I do actually, uh, from time to time, depending on how I'm feeling, I do take my talking into a microphone PEDs, okay. which is just that I uh, uh, I pop a cough drop maybe about a half hour before we start recording, mm-hmm. just to kind of loosen things up. Uh, maybe right. I'll drink like a uh, a cup of hot, but not like super hot, so I'm not burning my vocal cords. Mm-hmm. Water, just to hopefully loosen up whatever's in there, get it out before we start recording. Right. And then after I do those, I do a bump of Spectrox. So (laughs) get me going. Get me in the mood to talk comics, Joe. Yeah. You know, I know we'll never do this because it's who we are. But I see a lot of these folks who do like the uh, combo podcast where they do like the audio and the video element. Oh, I know a few people who do those. Yeah. Right. And we'll never do the video element. But uh, with seeing the people that do the video element. I mm-hmm. see everyone has their uh, microphones on, like, these fancy arms that come in from the side, you know? Right. You got to adjust those at all times, Joe. Yeah, and you got to be constantly adjusting it. That's the, the first thing. But then it will prevent me from this and banging on my desk oh. in a Rush Limbaugh-esque fashion. You are a, b- yeah. a desk banger, Joe. And, and when we start, so I have that clean cut at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to, like, put my hands at my side, not be touching the desk in any way, shape, or form, so that I have a clean cut where I know where we do our edit at the beginning of the show. And if we mess up during the course of the show, I try to give myself, like, that three to five second pause so I can clean it up. And I think I do a pretty good job. You Every time I listen, you do an amazing job. <laughs> oh, every time you listen. <laughs> yep, every time. So it's a light news week uh, this week, getting into what we're discussing on the show. And I would say, Todd, that I, the news this week is directly influenced on our announcement that was made in the show last week. I would wholeheartedly agree. That's right. Uh, digital books and sales, a bunch of stuff that we had read this past week, including crossover number three, future state swamp thing number one, and Thor number 11. What we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, the 2021 return of Todd and Joe Have Issues, Todd's Art Attack, and that's it. A rare week with uh, no TV or movies. That is true, but we'll be slamming into like you know new stuff soon, I guess. That's right, because uh, WandaVision starts this weekend, and mm-hmm. not in the news, not in the you know spoilers or anything else like that. I guess Paul Batani, is that how you say his name? Sure. Uh, in some of the press junket that you're allowed to do for hyping up WandaVision said that there's like a secret 
female in the in the series. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's, so I just got I, a whole bunch of speculation going today online that I had to mute a whole bunch of words so I didn't see it. Words? No, I'd never mute words. No, that'd be like muting yourself. But anyway. So that's all. No spoiler discussion. You know, maybe maybe if they're not debuted in episode one, when we talk about episode one next week, we'll do some discussion about, you know, what we think, uh, who we think, and where we think this person may be coming. Mm -hmm. So the news this week, like I said, is light, but I definitely think uh, inspired by us (laughs) that in... The Miles Morales Spider-Man storyline, issue 25, um, uh, comes out in April. But in the issue that comes out tomorrow, I guess, it's the beginning of the explanation of the new clone saga that's going to be going on there. Is it new and improved? Well, nothing is new. Mm-hmm. And improved is another story. Um, so from the uh, press release, which I, <laughs> I I don't know why I'm laughing at it before I even start reading it. It's a clone uh, saga release. That's why. Yeah. Writer uh, Saldina Ahmed's acclaimed run on Ma- Miles Morales' Spider-Man will hit a new high point this April with the clone saga. A new arc that promises to be Miles Morales' most thrilling adventure yet. One of the most talked about comic book storylines of the 90s, the mega-popular Clone Saga took over the pages of Amazing Spider-Man, shocking readers month after month. (laughs) Now this iconic saga will be Miles Morales-style, beginning in a special oversized anniversary issue. Um... And then it says, when Peter Parker faced his own clone saga years ago, he was taking part in what was already one of the most iconic traditions in comics. Do you want to guess what it is? An evil version of yourself? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say printing everything to make money. But yes, battling a version of themselves. Since the very first issue of Miles Morales' Spider-Man, I've known that I wanted to put Miles through that iconic ringer in his own distinct way. Uh, The writer says, Miles' Clone Saga is a story that has been months, even years in the making. We've been planting the seeds throughout the series, (laughs) from the horrors of being abducted by the Assessor, to the confrontations and sacrifices of the ultimatum epic. Moments from the past will come back to haunt Miles, and the events of the story will ensnare everyone from his baby sister to Peter Parker, who knows a thing or two about dealing with clones? The ramifications will be felt for years, and it all starts in April. Right. I call, uh, you know, shenanigans on some of that new press stuff. Really, I'm just, I'm just glad I don't work for Marvel because I would not have allowed that press release to go out the way that it did. Oh, if I did, I would. Uh, that I would. Uh, had written it a little difference where it, you know, where it came to readers months after month, after month, after month, after month, and the line in here where it says the mega popular. Right. Right. Clone well, saga. I would have said the pages of amazing Spider-Man and web of Spider-Man. 
and Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man and Spider-Man Unlimited and a bunch of issues of New Warriors for some reason. And Omegas. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you're... And start that thing again. What did it say? It was the much loved. Uh, it says one of the most talked about comic book That's... stories of the nineties. <laughs> There's a difference between one of the most loved comic book stories of the nineties and the most talked about <laughs> comic book stories of the nineties. Well, again, it says the mega popular right after that. Well, you know, Todd, I'll uh... have you know that there were people lining up to buy multiple copies of. Uh, the clone saga and it wasn't because of speculate speculatumism it was because they loved the story so much they were excited about it they were uh, excited about it right but now, almost listen, like that we, we you know for Todd and Joe I have issues I'm making Todd read the spider clone saga the original one mm-hmm. um but I think the spider clone saga is just a thing that people recognize well, we always we. I mean, I think we almost came to blows in the comic shop over something like this, where we talked about like you know it's it's much you know it's popular, but it's also like you know like people it's it's the top three most maligned you know comic stories in history, and the other one's a Spider Man story as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. um, it's one more day and Clone Saga. Uh-huh. You know, I'm hoping they do the Miles Morales uh, quickly aging ninja kid story. That's the one I want. But yeah, but, I mean, it's go ahead. No, I was going to say, but where I'm coming with, from with this is where Marvel gets an IP or a branding or a something like this, and they'll just continue to use it, whether it has a negative connotation or a positive connotation. It just has a connotation, a resonance, right? Mm hmm. Like when they'll name something like Civil War or they'll name something like After Age of Ultron or Clone Saga or Spider Clone Saga or, you know, whatever it is or Age of Apocalypse. All these uh, little IP events that they've created and DC's no better with their branding of Crisis. Mm-hmm. But at least DC kind of has one and they beat that one into the ground. Way Marvel too has like 20 that they're all trying to beat into the same hole. Right. Yep. I mean, you and just of like stuff like like that you don't have is like now any time a, a villain becomes a hero, it's superior whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they they do it, and it's like it's round robin. It's like oh, do, what did we use last? Like we're due, we're due for a like a secret wars in another four years. I'm really like surprised. You know, some of them, some of the lesser ones haven't popped up again. Um, I'm trying to think of like, uh, what was Atlantis? I'm waiting for another Atlantis attacks, you know, who knows what'll come up, but I get you. If they have something, it's, it's a name brand, brand recognition, and they're going to run with it. Um, good or bad. And I don't know, like you said, we're, I've only read a couple issues. We'll get to that later. You know, people say that this clone saga was decent, but then went off the rails. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, it's, well, we're, we're, you know, obviously you know, we're going to get into that. But Todd, they did an Atlantis Attacks again. It shows how little you know or oh, I know goodness. or whatever. There was an Atlantis Attack miniseries that just ended about two months ago. Oh, my God. Right. So it's like anything that Marvel has done. Like, why has there not been an Axe of Vengeance again? You know? Right. Or what was, yeah, Axe of Vengeance. And then which which one was that? 
that was the one where the villains teamed up and went after different heroes. Yeah. And then what would we need an executioner song part two, Joe? I think there has been that. Ugh. I think the I think the X Men ones get recycled more often than not. Right, but I don't notice them because we don't have a minute anymore. But mm-hmm. uh, I I don't know. I just like I said, there's a million. There's a million like crossovers and annual events that they had. And I will say that's one thing, like you said, DC has crisis and they, they ride that horse to the, to the death, but we've never seen like, you know, like take it something like a uh, final night and they've used that again, or all right. They dabbled with 2001 a little bit later when they brought back some of the characters. Cause that it was stuff that Float out of that, but I'm trying to think of like like Eclipso the Darkness Within. You know, we didn't see it like that, like Part Seven or anything like that. But I guess maybe just because the Marvel ones are a little more popular, I I don't know. Right. So it just it... how many people who read the Clone Saga back in 1994 to 1996 are going to see the clones? First of all, have fond memories of it. Right. You know, it's a much maligned series. And like, I didn't assign this to Todd for punishment. I assigned (laughs) this to Todd. I assigned this to Todd for three reasons. One, he never read it. Two, it is a much maligned thing. And I want to see if it's as bad as people say it is. And then three, it's because I I think there is a good story in there. And as Todd mentioned, it does go off the rails. And by reading an essential two and a half year storyline over the course of a year, you know, getting it like distilled down to its like bare minimum elements. I think we're going to see and like maybe can even pinpoint the moment where it's like, okay, this is where it completely falls off. Right. This is the anti softball episode, right? Yeah. Here. You know, this is this is the moment kind of a deal. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I just really hope that they do did they do one more day again? They did like the next day, the day after one more day, right? That's, no, I don't think it? they've done one more day again. I know it went from one more day to brand new day as the overall okay. branding of mm-hmm. the line. And then it was just like called one more day or brand new day for like six months. Right. Do you think they'll ever do another one more day? Because that ha- that has recognition, but boy, the recognition, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the one I want to see. If they do a one more day, like, you know, Miles Morales, one more day. I could see them doing one more day again. Like call, like actually calling it one more day again. Again. Oh, throwing again on the, on the end of the sentence. Or if they can get the rights to calling it hold out for one more day. Okay. (laughs) Don't know what that means, but go ahead. Uh, isn't there a Dixie Chick song? I'm or, I, you're or, or, oh, Wilson Chick. Phillips. Wilson Phillips. Ah, not a big Wilson Phillips guy. It was a it was a radio hit. Right. What's a radio, Joe? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Come on, don't act like you didn't listen to the radio at one point in your life. I listened to the radio a lot in my life, but I don't know. I just you know, um, far be it from me not to point out somebody doing a a, a cheap cash grab. But here we are. <laughs> that's how light the news was this week hey we made it we stretched it and i'll eat, and and the other thing i'll say is even just at its bare bare minimum elements with miles morales clone saga um 
Miles Morales is so far removed from the it feels like he the character is so far removed from the main machinations of the regular Marvel universe mm-hmm. like he's not even in like a Spider-Man book or if he shows up in a Spider-Man book um, he's like the sixth or seventh most important spider person that shows up right because even when he showed up in Carnage it was like oh like I'm just passing through yeah and I want to see if he shows up in King in Black. You know what I mean? That's all. It just it just seems like, uh, you know, I don't want to say poorly timed, but here we are. I said it. Or perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So, uh, like I said, not much in the news, but of course... It's news when there's new shows on the soon to be named network, and you can find them all over at soon to be named network.com or soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Not new shows, but all of the shows that exist over there putting out new episodes, whether it be this show, whether it be Long Box Heroes After Dark, whether it be Wednesday Night War, whether it be Add Odds with Wrestling, whether it be Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, or Profane Arguments, which I'm sure will be very interesting this week. Um, or any of the time those folks from those shows appear on other shows, that appears over at soon to be named network.com. Uh, our good buddy DJ was on the A show, uh, which is kind of a fantasy draft of a year and a promotion of the world of professional wrestling podcast. Uh, I was on it. My uh, Your cousin Pete was on it. And then DJ was on it. Ooh. Yes, I know. All, it's like I know almost know all the the the, the names there. Mm-hmm. Almost all the names there. Uh, also, with every show post, of course, we put up a link to our local shop, Comics on the Green, who does a brisk mail order business. If you miss having comics uh, weekly, uh, your local store just uh, can't cut the mustard, Jack. Then contact our store, and uh, you know while the mail may be delayed. Your books will be in the package, very nice, very safe when they get to you. And they may even have a fancy piece of uh, sketchy from our friend Becky, who does a lot of original art herself. You can go check out her Instagram to check some of that out. And other friends of the show, of course, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Both of those comics are over on Comixology. And uh, Rick Williams, the Chop Shop, the resin models that he does of fantasy wrestling sci-fi sort of things all the links to all of those things are in the show notes of every single one of these episodes so if you are so inclined to check stuff like that out Mm -hmm. digital books and sales this week we have yet another variety of books and things and so forth uh the marvel max sale is still ongoing the dynamite fantasy sale is still ongoing uh dc is having a sale on rebirth hey are we nostalgic for rebirth already Yes, I just heard the other day that uh, DC, the New Fifty Two, is ten years old this year. Um, no, New Fifty Two is nine. Uh, it, well, it, this September it'll be ten years old. Yes. So this year then. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. But like we're, you know, we just like just this past September, like we're closer to the nine year. But I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, so Rebirth stuff is on sale. Dark Horse is having a sale called Mindbender's Sale. Dr. Mindbender? I wish. Uh, Dynamite is having a sale on their uh, Project Superpowers line. 
and Marvel is having three other sales ongoing, and it's a little bit of something for everyone, and by everyone I mean you and I. They're having a sale on Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity Gauntlet-related <laughs> things. They're having a sale on Spider-Man by Dan Slott stuff. Right. And they're having a sale on Thunderbolts. Yo, Ooh, baby. Look at that. That's like all your favorite stuff right there. It is. There's a lot of good stuff there. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have all that Thunderbolt stuff. Right. And, Buy it again. You know, they, they have to do things in a certain order in which they do. So I, I do lament. <laughs> yep. You know, it should be in chronological order, but I understand why it's not. You have to get to the third page before you get to the, uh, you know, the original storyline from 1997. And then it ends around because they rena- renamed it New Thunderbolts. Anyway, hey, this is a good, good comic series. Don't let the way Marvel put it together uh, online for you deter you. This is the you're but you're the same guy who had the order of Thunderbolts wrong when you gave it to me to read. So that's well, listen, I, I had it. I had it wrong. I had it in a reading order that I thought was correct at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, somebody so, schooled you. Yeah, listen, I, I have no problem being told when I'm wrong. And I really have no problem being told when I'm wrong by the person who created the book <laughs> I love so much. Well, um, there you go. Yeah. So I just like back. bringing that up. Yeah, go back to the beginning of the pandemic for more information on that one. Mm-hmm. When we had no books and we had to find something to read. Right. Uh, but a bunch of that stuff is on sale. No new freebies, but the list of freebies is there and rests and sits forever. Um, so let's get into what we read from this past week. I assume we will uh, start with the book that we were both most looking forward to coming out this week, which was Crossover Number 3, written by Donnie Cates. Uh, with art by Jeff Shaw. Yes, that sounds good. Um, this this is a continuation of the story. Uh, I can't think of the main character's name. It's it's eluding me right now. Um, uh, ellipsis. Ellipsis. Um, she has decided to take Ellie back to the town with the bubble over it, where the you know the comics have bled through. And as she's going with the comic shop owner, um, she ends up meeting the. Uh, Reverend's son who tried to who did actually burn down the comic shop um who's on the secret mission from somebody who's also running away from his father because he's abusive and there's a whole subplot going on with that I believe because the the reverend says something and along the way um they all meet up and the the cops are like oh like you know we have a check checkpoint and I want to get your information because I something's up and all of a sudden, all heck breaks loose, and certain these certain characters show up who I wasn't sure if were real or not. And then I had to do some digging and found out that they are actually real, and they are Jeff Shaw or Donny Cates characters. Um, so I thought that was cool, and uh, they end up answering some questions and maybe giving us the answer if uh, Superman is in this book or not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give anything away, but I have loved this book from the beginning and the ending of this book caught me legitimately off guard, but I was like, I, I softly applauded, uh, the writer and the artist on it. I think this is one of the coolest endings, like, you know, I don't want to even say what it is because I hate when people do that, but 
it's I just I I'm loving this book. I can't I cannot stress enough. Go read crossover. Right. So um as Todd mentioned, the superhero team that we get in this uh is from a story that Donny Cates did at Dark Horse, maybe like seven years ago. I want to say it's even less than that. I want to say it's like three or four. Okay. Um, it looks like it was collected then. Uh, okay, that might be what I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it says here the the original Dark Horse publication date was 2014. Mm-hmm. And then the trade came out in 2018. Okay. Uh, so that being said, um, you know, obviously it's a bit because we've been getting a lot of stuff in the previous two issues and this issue where they're pay- they're playing with you know creator names you know Ed Brubaker's name or Brian K Vaughn's name has been mentioned a lot of other creators like that in issue 2 they're playing fast and loose with like your supermans and your batmans and your spidermans your big two companies right mm-hmm. and there's even a bit in here where the the little girl who is from the comic book universe who they're trying to get back to her parents sees one of the members of this team and calls him Doctor Strange who, yes, they were completely hinting that it was him, the whole issue. Yes, and they do a lot of good playing with that fact that it is Doctor Strange, it may be Doctor Strange, and obviously this is a Doctor Strange analog. Um, and I did like that they... So where I'm kind of going with this is, so now we see what sort of superhero characters that they're going to be able to use a little bit more, and obviously these are Dottie Kate's creations, you're probably going to see some image people creations popping up in this you know there was the spawn variant cover there's been a lot of homages to spawn the story arc is entitled kids love chains which is a famous quote from todd mcfarland from 1992 (laughs) right um but the the way that this book plays with these tropes and with these ideas to i i hate to say subvert your expectations but to lead you one way deliver something completely different that you weren't expecting but doing it in such a way that you're not disappointed by not getting the top tier stuff right because what they do what he does in this book is he plays with your preconceived notions he gives you something and never tells you but because we know the comic world so well we're like, this looks like this, so I think th- this is this. Without even like saying it to yourself. It must be this. And then when he turns it on its head, you're like, oh my god, it's not. And I could see why I thought it was, but this is still cool. Like, even the moment he tells you, he's like, hey, if you had an idea what these characters were, you'd totally be, this doesn't be totally awesome. And I'm like, so he's making a little fun of himself. I, I like it. And it makes me wonder how much, like, like, he, like, did he just go like, I own these characters, I can bring them in? Was it ever part of the plan to do a comic and then make it part of this other comic? Like, there's so many questions I want to ask if I ever meet them. You know what I mean? Like, because this is so, so fun. I love this book. Right. So the, the other thing, of course, uh, with these is, is the preacher's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, who had the quickest... A baby face turn, I guess, and become maybe one of the more sympathetic characters in the book in, like, such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's a fan of these characters because he read the book. Right. 
Um, you know, and he meets them and he knows all their names and he's marking out and everything. Uh, and Ellie questions like, wait a minute, you're into comic books? And he says, yeah, well, I mean, really only indie stuff. Uh, not that much since, you know, um, and then says, blah, 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 uh, they were canceled. It was pretty good from what I remember. And then the characters themselves are like, what do you mean we were canceled? Right. Cause they you don't know. know. So that, was, that was a fun bit. Right. And I also like the bit of, uh, them having to camouflage the young girl. Cause I love the way the art is done like an old eighties comic yes. with the dot, with the dot coloring and stuff. So like I said, this is, this is a comic that can appeal to both young readers and old readers, man. And I think as an old reader, like you get, you get more of the, the old jokes too. So, or, or references kind of the deal. Yes. And we're dancing around this because, you know, we, we, and, you know, like I said, even if we said the name, we might've even said the name during the course of this, of who the heroes are, the team that shows up in this, you're going to say who, but there's a reveal at the end of the book. And again, that's what we're kind of tiptoeing around a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, knowing what I know, I'll just say knowing what I know now, if I read the solicitation text, there's clues in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that out now that I've read the books, you know? Uh, so, yeah, Crossover continues to be great. Um, you know, kind of ended 2020 for Image. Huge, and I'm glad to see that momentum is still continuing here in 2021 for this book. Right. Now, I, last week, had requested Todd um, discuss a book that I knew he was that was on his list that I ended up grabbing myself, and that would be Future State Swamp Thing number one. Uh, written by Ram V with art by Mike Perkins. And I I did get a chuckle off the cover of the book. You know, like a lot of times when they have on a book, they'll just have like, say, the last name of the creators to for Mm -hmm. space concerns or whatever it is. Right. For the writer, they just have, instead of putting Ram V, which, you know, again, is enough characters to put his whole name there. They just have V. They just have V. I just thought that was funny. Right, the Vertigo story. It's uh, Alan Moore and story guy. That's what I think of when I see it. But no, I only heard of Ram V because one of, uh, somebody we know is a big fan of them. And I've never really read anything by him. So I was interested in to see this. And because of the fact that I believe at least the writer, I don't know about the artist, is getting the ongoing after this ends. So I wanted to see. But uh, basically before we even mention it, because like, I noticed that all the Future State books have this blurb in the start of it, the multiverse has been saved from the brink of destruction. With victory comes new possibilities as the triumph of our hero shakes loose the very fabric of time and space. From the ashes of death metal comes the new life for the multiverse and a glimpse into the unwritten worlds of tomorrow. So, um, because I'm not going to get into, I read Flash, uh, Future State and everything, that none of these tie in together, that I can tell. Because after reading Swamp Thing, that I'll get to in a minute, they can't. Um, so basically Swamp Thing is, you know, years in the future, uh, Swamp Thing is the last creature was the last creature around. He, the humans had disappeared. So he ends up, um, they, they kind of established that he found a way to make plant people from his own being and kind of give them sentience and stuff like that. And he was doing that and he creates this whole 
world and he's constantly because he's swamp thing and he was human kind of sort of see anatomy lesson he's always looking for humans because that was his whole life um so he tells like all his plant people keep an eye out and there's one like you know mischievous uh plant person who's like you know he's beholden these people but they kind of destroyed the world and this is going to be the downfall of us um and along the way lo and behold one of his people ends up finding uh, a human and Swamp Thing goes and talks to him, gives him some information, which will lead into what's going on. Swamp Thing might have to stop in issue two. Um, I will say I really like this issue. I like this issue a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Swamp Thing fan. Uh, it was fun. It looked absolutely beautiful. You know, Swamp Thing has a history of fantastic artists, and they have another one here. The only knock I have against any, like, and even though I do love the this book, I read the other Future State book. Because I know it's Elseworld, Otherworld, What If, um, and it's going to end in two issues, and there's going to be nothing to become it. I feel there's no stakes at all, if that makes any sense. It's like, I could just enjoy this story, but it won't have any ramifications in the grand scheme of things. So anytime I read a story like that, I'm like, oh, okay. It's just enjoy what you're doing. But in a big DC or Marvel kind of a thing, it's like, ah, it's a pocket, if that makes any sense. It does. Uh, So like I said, I read this too. Um, I enjoyed it as well. Um, You know, I think Ram V, you had mentioned, uh, he had did some Finland work on Catwoman. And I think he was writing Justice League Dark for a period of time there. I don't know what he did outside of DC. But it looks like DC is positioning him in a a way, you know. Um, So just, I'll say before I begin, based on the strength of this issue, I'll definitely be picking up issue two. And I'll probably, you know, giving... Uh, the ongoing, a try, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was the presentation of this. You know, when you read a Swamp Thing story, I think so many people might be... Uh, uh, their opinion of Swamp Thing is going to be soured primarily by the Alan Moore run. Right. For better and, or for and, worse. That's always a high bar you have to get over yeah. when it comes with Swamp Thing. And especially if you have a new number one you're going to be compared to the anatomy lesson, the first issue of Alan Moore's run on that legendary run of Swamp Thing. Second issue, but go ahead. Well, you, but you, okay, but you get what I'm saying. Right. A lot of people forget about that one. I always laugh, but go ahead. Okay. So I think Ram decided to kind of lean into this a little bit, you know, where there's the, uh, I wouldn't say it's a framing thing, but it's kind of an ongoing side thing of what's going on of Swamp Thing talking about how he created human life from vegetation. Right. Um, you know, like, oh, here's how I was like creating this and how I was creating this. And then, you know, what I had to do to even go as far to create emotions and stuff. So he's kind of touching on a lot of that stuff from the anatomy lesson, but telling his own story that, as Todd mentioned, is taking place inside of a vacuum, in a bubble, its own little self-contained story that isn't going to mean anything but I, I do have an inkling in the back of my head that this guy, Ram V, who is the writer of this and going to be the writer of the ongoing after this is done, I'm sure he's probably putting some things in here that if he ever gets the chance to or DC editorial decides like, OK, now Future State means everything. He has those roots, pun intended, that he can go back to and it, like kind of implement all that stuff and make it one cohesive story 
Right. Or even if he wanted to, he could be like this, like we could be watching the, the in his book, the ongoing, like leading towards the whatever caused the apocalypse. You know what I mean? And will yeah. something stop it or not? Like, I get what you're saying, but I and that's the reason I, I do like is because Ram V is going to take over the book. Some of these other books, they're not. And it's like, oh, OK. And it could have just been the whole future state. Like, we'll never know what the future state idea originally was, whether it was just two issues or it was like a year's worth. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't I just that's the way I look at it. But I have high. I definitely do have high hopes now and not too high of a hope, as you say, for the Swamp Thing books. Mm hmm. But, you know, and obviously the people that Swamp Thing travels with in this, uh, what's the, the girl's name is Kala and the man's name is Indigo. Right. And Indigo is the one that's kind of like, you know, he created us and we're his children. Uh, you know, Swamp Thing is essentially God now since there's only plant life based things. But now that he's found man, a human, like we essentially mean nothing to him. Right, and I think bad things might happen from that, Joe. Right, I, I, I have a feeling as well. Uh, but I really enjoyed this. Like I said, I went in with not low, but no expectations, and I enjoyed it enough to throw it on the list going forward. Right, I went in with low expectations on all the future, st and I'm not getting much, and let's just say one of them met my low expectations. <laughs> let's put it that way. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. So last but not least, of course, we have Thor number 11. Now, Thor, we haven't been talking about as much. Um, and this is in the middle of a story arc. So I was surprised to see you uh, mention this on here. But uh, I've really been enjoying this this uh, current story arc on Thor. I agree. That's why I brought it, because I don't think we give it enough love. And it's so good. And I'll discuss in a minute. But go ahead. Yeah, so essentially what this storyline is... Um, if you remember from way back in the day that Thor had a mortal, um, you know, I guess, alter ego, uh, Dr. Donald Blake, when he would tap his cane on the ground, you know, he would switch places with Thor mm -hmm. or Thor would tap his hammer on the ground and he could become Donald Blake. Well, Donald Blake hasn't been in the Thor comic book in, I can't remember how long, you know, many, many years. Mm-hmm. So this story arc that's currently ongoing is we find out where uh, Donald Blake has been. And uh, it's been it's been pretty bad for Donald Blake there. Mm -hmm. Kind of being ignored and having nothing and, you know, being cut off from Thor and pretty much everything else that he grew accustomed to. And he kind of went a little mad. So he went and he trapped Thor where he had been. And now Donald Blake is going around attempting to kill other people who have been Thor before. And unrelated to this, he goes on a dinner date with Jane Foster in this issue. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so th this book is great. Um, you know, it, this is a, an aspect of Thor that hasn't been touched on, as we mentioned, in many, I would say at least 10 years since I don't Donald know. Blake has been around. I would guess maybe more. Mm -hmm. I have and no to idea. Do such a stark, dark, like interesting story it, it, by it, and again Donny Cates and Nick Klein of the creative team on this. It, it, this has been such a surprise. This story arc. Mm -hmm. There's a great line in here too when he goes on the date because uh, Jane Foster from you know we were reading her. He's in 
she's, you know, works now in the morgue because her doctor, you know, thing was cut short because she was always running off to be Thor. So she got, you know, like they were like, oh, the only thing you can do because you're irresponsible is, is, is work in the morgue. And the line he gives her about the morgue when he's leaving on the date, I was like, it was cold blooded, like in ways that she can't even understand. And I love it. And the reason I brought this up is because I do love it. And I recommended this to an old Walt Simonson Thor fan. I said, I think if, if you're Walt, like that run of Thor, you're probably going to like this more maybe than Jason Aaron's because it, it's very like, it has the history that you probably love all these characters that were mentioned or were during the run and whatnot. But this, and then I read this issue and it, there was a stark simula- a stark similarity to a storyline. And I didn't put it together like until I read this. You know what this storyline is, Joe? The Winter Soldier storyline. Ooh. Bucky has disappeared for years, comes back. He's messed up, might be mind controlled, but not crazy. Goes around. He's often anybody who has ever been Bucky or the or Captain America. I'm like, this is the one. So in the end, I'm like, I'm not going to like, you know, book the ending. Uh, but I'm like, it, is Donald Blake going to go and be redeemed the way Bucky is? And we're going to have winter Thor and stuff like that and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but I'm ho- like, I, I could see this going completely wrong too. But I'm just like, I didn't realize that why this was so cool because copy and A, get an A, they're doing the winter soldier storyline. You make a great point. About this being the Thor Winter Soldier storyline. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, obviously it's thematically the same, but I don't think they're stealing the same bits, you know? No, and I don't mean that. But do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's hitting the, the same beats, like you said, but it's not like, oh, I'm just stealing the story. I, I just went, the similarities are there. And, I, and as I sat down and thought about it, I'm like, ah, eh, you know, eh, it's there. But you know, it's been a bit. It's been a little while since we've seen the Winter Soldier story, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, make, making that um, comparison didn't even come into my mind until you just said it. And you know, obviously, there's a tease at the end that we should have seen coming with um, you know what happened to Beta Ray Bill at the mm-hmm. hands of Donald Blake, and we didn't talk about that issue, but that fight scene from that issue between Donald Blake. And Beta Ray Bill was so awesome. Mm-hmm. And where Beta Ray Bill had been with Guardians of the Galaxy and some of the other cosmic stuff and who he had been war-bound with, and now they were no longer war-bonded together. There's a, there's a, there was a great surprise at the end of this issue as well that I don't want to spoil for you, but I think even just saying Lockjaw in these issues is enough of a spoiler to <laughs> tip my hand of who it could or might be, you know? Right. Yep, totally. But all around fun, and like I said, I kind of brought it up because we're not that we haven't given it a love. Is is we've had different books that were like you know leading the charge, and just like you said, visually this book is beautiful too. And hey, if you want some of the artwork, you have to buy a whole issue at a time. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it's really good. Mm So, so it's a lot of books we read from this past week. You know, that's right. Light news week, lots of comics. That's the way I like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you got your books in print, whether you get them 
in trade, whether you get them mailed to your home, uh, whether you wait for the company of your choice to release them on a CD-ROM and then you just buy that. However it is that you get your books before worn, before armed. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, just like we have done for the past six years. Seven Ooh. years. Eight years. Wow. Uh, eight years. It's almost because, as old as New 52. Yeah, this is the eighth year that we're doing this, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, Todd has a slender read of a poll list this week. Right. And I will ask, because I can, I can look it up myself, but I can ask who the creative team on Future State Green Lantern is. Off the top of my head, I don't know the names, but I uh. definitely know the writer's going to be the one who takes over GL when the new, new ongoing comes back. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That being said, I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week would be Immortal Hulk number 42. It is Immortal Hulk number 42. Um, and I'm going to bounce that right back at you. Is the book you're looking forward to most Immortal Hulk 42? It is. Nobody filed the numbers off of uh, King and Black Thunderbolts number one, and it's really a stealth return of Saga. So, of course, <laughs> uh, right. that would be the only way. It's Immortal Hulk unless it's Saga or something like Brian, uh, uh, Ed Brubaker. You know, that's show law, I would say. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that final issue of Inferior 5, Joe. Maybe. When we get that final Peacemaker story so you can, you can salute it with your John Cena hat on. That's right. I would do the, the wearing the hat and do the, uh, <laughs> where he, did, <laughs> he did to the fiend to accept his challenge, where he just gripped the brim of his hat and very comedically and over the top, like gave him like a nod. Right. A good day, sir. Kind yes. Of a... A good, he gave the fiend a good day, sir. And that's how they <laughs> set up their match for WrestleMania. You know what, Joe, I'm just going to say, if that was the way all feuds started in wrestling, Mm-hmm. I would come back and watch if it was a good, you know, I challenge thee to, uh, you know, a, a in, in the ring, whatever, and gave him a good day nod. I would be like, all right, that's what I want. But it's neither here nor there. So uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, you can check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. And hey, Todd and Joe Have Issues is back for 2021. Let's get into it because we are assigning each other uh, things to read. Todd has assigned me the mid-2000s. I think it's like 2005, 2006. Yes, 2005, 2006. I'm not 100% sure with with on-sale dates, you know what I mean? And cover sure. dates being, being all messed up, but go ahead. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray run on... Jonah Hex, I read All-Star Western, spinning out of the New 52. Sure, there's a lot of New 52 talk on this episode. (laughs) Right. But I enjoyed All-Star Western, so one would assume that I would uh, enjoy more of the same. And as we've discussed earlier in the show with the news section, I am giving Todd the Spider-Clone saga to read. Now, obviously, uh, many people do not own these books, and maybe you do or maybe you don't. Maybe you're the lucky ones that do. Um, if you're signed up for either one of the company's uh, digital services, of course, you could probably find them there or, you know, other places as well. Um, also, if you want to reach out to me, Todd's list is very clear and very straightforward. It's like 
here's 70 issues and in an in in oversized hardcover or a graphic novel, right? There you go. Right. Mine's a little bit more scattershot. So if you are wanting to follow along, I can give you the master list of what those issues that Todd and I will be reading over the next year for the return of Todd and Joe have issues. Right. So uh, we start off with my issue of Jonah Hex that I had to read. Um, now, I don't want to tip my hand or tip your hand with uh, Todd's art attack as well here, but the art on this is by Luke Ross. Is that correct? That is 100% true. Okay. Now, the one thing, and again, I don't want to say that it was distracting, but it was very noticeable that Luke Ross was making a concerted effort to draw Jonah Hex like Clint Eastwood. He was? I hadn't noticed. Oh, my goodness. And if he did, I wouldn't like that, because that would be terrible, (laughs) Joe. (laughs) Hey, Kevin, could you draw uh, Rocket Red for me and make him look like Clint Eastwood? (laughs) Oh, that would be fantastic. Hold on, I gotta write something. Could you draw the entire Justice League International for me, but have them be all Clint Eastwood? (laughs) Uh, Justice League Eastwood. Yes. Uh, so I get two uh, standalone issues, of course, single issue storylines where uh, Jonah Hex in the first issue is tasked with retrieving a young man's only son. He's got three daughters, but his young son went missing. He gives Jonah Hex a lot of information, of course, as to what happened. The, the man himself is confined to a wheelchair as he used to be a big game hunter. He says that you'll recognize my son because of these distinguishing characteristics, of course. One of them being he has a mark from this tiger from when I was on a hunt. Uh, Jonah Hex, of course, goes uh, comes upon a circus that is a freak show amongst many other things going on. One of them... Uh, is a side so attraction of pitting dogs against children. Yep. Uh, Jonah Hex, of course, shows up because this is someone traveling town to town that has a bunch of children involved. So he assumes that they may have something to do with it. And if there's anything that I have learned, Todd, from reading All-Star Western, that I wish I can go into these stories and tell these people, is don't lie to Jonah Hex. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, like I think if you tried to rob Jonah Hex, if you pull a gun on Jonah Hex, if you you know any of these like f- acts of physical violence or betrayal to Jonah Hex, will you die? Yes. Will it more than likely be a quick and easy death? Yes. If you lie to Jonah Hex, will you be tied up and fed to mangy dogs? More than likely every single time. (laughs) Right. So um, there's a young boy in the group who's sick. Uh, Of course, this guy goes to send his goons to take out Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex, of course, gets the jump on them. And I'm surprised to see how graphic this book was for a non-mature reader's title in this era of DC Comics. Let me touch on that. Go for it. Thing that you made this book in 2005 2006 does not have the comics code authority stamp on it. it and it's the only dc ongoing book that did at this time everything else that was a mature readers was over at vertigo 
but Vertigo seemed to be more of like the mystical stuff. And Jonah even had his own, like, you know, uh, one where he was fighting zombies during the Vertigo run and everything. But this was, they told Palmiati and Gray and the artists, like, you're not going to have a stamp on here. So you can be much darker than, than you you can be in any other book and you could tell more mature and more violent stories. So they pretty much had free reign to do what they wanted. You know what I mean? Within reason, you know what I mean? Of but, course. uh, so I, cause I, and I didn't even realize that at the time. And so I ended up looking up the comic, a uh, comics code authority stamp, which kind of fell out around 2011. Um, DC announced that they wouldn't be using it anymore. Some companies went away from it, but it would be, Five or six years before any other DC book, main, mainstream DC book, did that. That would have no Comics Code Authority stamp. So I just find that, fa that's a fact I learned and I found it fascinating. Right, so I'm going to guess, like we haven't, I haven't seen any so far, but there was no like swears in this, you know? Right, I think they might have kept the swears to a minimum. But mm -hmm. I'd have to, you know, it'll, I'll be, we'll see as we go, you know? Right, this is a Jonah Hex book, not a Deadpool comic. That's right, where it's where it's expected. Right. So Jonah Hex comes back and it finds out that the kid that was sick there uh is dying of rabies, but um the kid is covered up and the guy who runs the freak show dyed his hair because the kid had red hair, so he dyed this kid's head, uh this this kid's hair not red so that he would be indistinguishable and was just going to let him die. And just as much as if you were a person in Jonah Hex story, you lie to Jonah Hex. Um, you will meet a horrible and untimely fate. If you are an innocent, a child, someone who has done no wrong and has wrong done to you, Jonah Hex will go out of his way to make, you know, whatever right for you. Right. As um, this goes on, you may find out that Jonah has a soft spot for children and women in trouble. Mm -hmm. And I, they, they will probably touch on that as the 70 issue go run goes on. And it becomes kind of like, even in the old books, it was kind of a theme, like why he, he, he did so, but you're, so, you're definitely on about the innocent children thing. Right. So Jonah essentially like the kid's suffering. He has rabies. He doesn't have long to live. So Jonah smothers him and says, I will, I, you know, I will pay my debt to your father. I will return your body to him so that you can have a proper burial. And I will tell him that you you know, died honorably and died Jonah fight. lies to the man and says he died fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, and begrudgingly, of course, the man gives Jonah his money and that ends this story. Now, again, we're still, you know, we still have some 60, some more issues of this to read. I have a feeling that one of, if not all of these daughters, we may see again at some point. Maybe not. Okay. I'm going to tell you, there are characters that over this 60, 70 issue run will reappear and then there's ones you will never see again as as crazy it is it, it's kind of like you know like when we were watching doctor who you're like oh i think this person will be back i'm like no probably not like this one yes there will be certain reoccurring ones but for the most part stories are one and done you know what i mean there will be characters that you recognize spoiler alert this is the run that Tallulah black shows up and you saw her in all-star western so she will make a couple of appearances you know what i mean but for the most part these one and done stories are one and done right so speaking of which issue two we pick up that there is a mission a, you know uh, a, reli a religious cathedral whatever it is where a bunch of banditos show up because they had heard legend of a cross that's there is actually made of solid gold. 
it is uh, they shoot the priest, the chapel, the cardinal, the whatever it is. He oh, goes right. into his adopted daughter's room who is tending to an injured Jonah Hex. Do we know how this happened to Jonah Hex? No. Does it matter that we don't know? No. Just the fact that Jonah Hex needs to be in that room where this man comes in and tells what happened so that Jonah Hex can go on his mission to get that back. Right. And there's a little more to that scene that, like, as I know, like, the character, is that Jonah doesn't work for free. You know what I mean? Like, right. like he, he does it for the kid occasionally because in the first issue, he didn't take the money from the old man about the kid. He just left. Um in this issue, it's because he shot up and they tended to him. He wakes up and he's like, you killed the guy who saved my life? All bets are off, son. Like, I owe this man. And I will kill you for killing him. And that, in that two pages, you know, me being the fan, that totally establishes Jonah's reason for just taking this job with no money. It's like, I'm because they tell him, like, you could see he's got bullet holes and there's blood and bandages kind of a deal. And the girl says, like, you know, his fever's broke and he's, you know, he's better now. We don't know why it happened. We don't know how it happened, but it gives him a good reason for revenge for the Padre. Right. Uh, So he goes off to find these people that stole the cross. The young lady who was there says, I'm coming with you. He says, you're going to slow me down. And she's like, no, I can kind of sort of hold my own. Uh, They come upon a mining operation with a town nearby. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's one of these scenes that I think I get the tenseness of this scene between Jonah, the woman, uh, Alma, and the sheriff of the town and his men. Mm -hmm. That there's supposed to be a tension in the scene. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it comes across as well, but I know I've seen a Western or two or three or ten before. So I get the tension that's supposed to be there. I think if you had given this these pages to someone cold, I don't think that they would get the tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was there. It was good. I still liked it. Um, so Jonah, of course, no, he finds out, I guess, that some of the people... Um, oh, so he figures that in a town like this, if they have the cross, which he knows they do, the only place that they're keeping it that's safe is the jail. Right, because there's no bank. There's no bank, so I know it's in the jail. I need to figure out a way to get into the jail, but I need a distraction. So he has the girl Alma walk in front of the windows naked a bunch of time to distract the people outside. Mm -hmm. Which is a great plan. Which is a great bit. But of course, the guys go up to the room. They intercept Jonah. Uh, They get the jump on him, of course. They're going to bring him out to the middle of town. And uh, he and the sheriff are going to duel with one bullet, of course. Jonah goes to shoot him, misses, quote-unquote, but really it ignites the dynamite that Jonah had set up to blow up the jail so that he can not only free the people that are there, but also to get the cross out and get it back uh, to the, the priest, the convent, the religious folks that they had stolen it from. Right. But he also frees the town folk of the sheriff and his evil men and kind of gives them reign of the silver mine that's uh, next to the town. Right. I thought these issues were good. Like I said, I I have little qualms in just the way that one scene with Joan and the sheriff, I think the tension that they were going for may, may have gotten lost on some folks, but you know, I'm picking up what they're putting down. 
Right. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, no, go I, ahead. I was going to say one last thing on issue one also is that issue one is a retelling of the original Jonah Hex number one from the seventies, but with like different, instead of a dog fight, it was children were fighting against each other. Instead of three daughters, the guy had three sons and he wasn't a big game hunter. He was just a man who was dying. But that first issue was an homage to the original Jonah Hex run drawn by uh, Garcia Lopez and everything. So I really like that knowing what I know and everything. Um, I really love these two issues. I think the first one is way stronger than the second one. Um, but Luke Ross's art is, Oh my God, like on this run, he, I, he doesn't do, he doesn't do a lot of issues, but what he does, he might be my favorite artist on this run. And I think, might be a little bit because of the Clint Eastwood thing, but I think he also has, he's watched a movie or two. He knows when to do the close up on the eyes or the gun or whatever. And it's almost cinematic how good his art is. You know what I mean? So, uh-huh. but yeah, I, I, I don't know if you know this show. I like these issues. So, Of course. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Uh, those two issues were good. Right, so we're going to go with what I have to read. And I actually, I didn't write down what the two issues were. It was Web of Spider-Man 117, right? Web of Spider-Man 117 and... Amazing Spider-Man 374. 394. I knew it was four. But basically, these have a bunch of different plots going on at the same time. We have uh, Peter seeing Ben Riley, And I'm just going to do a shoot name because I know at this point who he is. Bang, Um, bang. Bang, bang. Ben Riley, uh, who has come to, I guess, see Aunt May, who's sick? Yes. Is established later. Okay. So, and he's uh, like, oh, my God. Like, who are you? I don't care. And the one thing that I did like was like, I don't care. He immediately goes to your Mysterio. You're the chameleon. Like, these are more logical answers than you're the clone from 100, 200, 300 issues ago. So I like that. He go, But he, he goes on. Um, while that's going on, Dr. Judas Traveler is at Ravencroft trying, you know, worming his way into Dr. Kaffa's good side. And he's going to do an experiment. Uh, he says with these, with these people takes it over, makes everybody teleport out and he's got a experiment he's going to do with Spider-Man. Um, also, uh, the, the thing with, uh, Ben and we get back to Ben and Peter. Um, the thing that I did notice is that, uh, Peter seems a little unhinged in this book. Okay. Uh, Cause he keeps calling himself the spider. Yes. And at one, basically I equate to Peter in this book as the Hulk, because he keeps talking about Peter Parker in a like third person. He's like, and he hates puny Peter Parker and the spider, the spider. And he keeps like, he's like, I'm going to find out who you are, blah, blah, blah. So it's very weird. He's, he's a very weird Spider-Man, but go ahead. So just, so where we get to this point, of course, and like, I didn't want to have you get really into the weeds on everything that came before this, but this actually even ties into some of the stuff that we most recently discussed on previewing the past. Uh, you know, sign up on our Patreon and get those bonus shows. Patreon link is over on longboxheroes.com, patreon.com, longboxheroes, uh, slash longboxheroes. So uh, we talked about the issue of Amazing Spider-Man, which was at that time, June or January of 1991, the beginning of the ongoing run of Venom miniseries is, 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 right? hmm So the arc that leads into that is um, 
these two folks show up that are Peter's parents. It turns out that Peter's parents are actually simulacrums that are made by the chameleon. That then rolls right into Maximum Carnage. And then those two events, putting so much stress, stress on Peter Parker, he more or less, like, decries his public persona and just becomes the spider. He sleeps at night in a web cocoon. He's isolating Mary Jane, which we see a little bit of this, where Mary Jane finally doesn't, um, like, you know, is going to leave him, but then comes back. Um, there's even a bit in those in-between issues before we get here where I think, like, Peter even hits Mary Jane unintentionally. Okay. The old yellow jacket. And... Uh-huh, and it's something <laughs> yeah. that, like, really quickly got, like, not mentioned ever again, and, you know, they knew it was a mistake at the time, but it was their attempt to build how dark Peter was becoming. Mm-hmm. It and, comes through, man. Okay, so that is the in-story reason for that, right? Mm-hmm. The editorial reason for this was... Let's put Peter Parker so far down a dark path that he can never come back from and introduce the new Peter Parker to replace him. Okay. With all that, without all that baggage, that, that history. I kind of knew that part that it was that the whole clone thing was a clean sweep. Like, cause Mary Jane and Peter were married at this point, right? Yes. All right, I get confused. I figure, like, I'm not the... So I think they kind of were like, you know, oh, we don't want the marriage, but, you know, doing a clone saga thing is way better than one more day, so I don't know, but that's, that's like, because I do know the basic gist of, like, clone saga. Okay, so I just wanted to throw that in there as the explanation for the spider. Right. So as this is going on, like I said, Judas Traveler, a.k.a. Rock, rock and Roll Pirate, I, I don't know what his look... Um, he's, he's doing the thing and he's going from Raven, Ravencroft. And I want to say Ravenloft, which is a different, was a set, thing of books and role-playing, but, uh, he's going to all the Spider-Man villains. He's like, Oh, all these villains in here have the same thing. They're all part of the, to the, the spider and, you know, like chameleons broke and, and carnage is crazy, blah, blah, blah. So he ends up, uh, while Ben and Peter are fighting, Ben knocks out Peter. So he goes, uh, or, Judas Traveler goes, I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to fight you. If you don't fight me, uh, I'm going to release all the, the, the things. It kind of reminds me of the Bane thing with, uh, with, with Batman. It's like, I'm going to re- do this and run you through your paces. I'm not sure what his, his whole experiment is, but he ends up showing Peter how much he's like the people in the, in the asylum. Like he's crazy. Like, carnage but he's broken but like chameleon and he ends up snapping kind of a deal and judas travis like he's not the one uh but there is another like return of the jedi you know what I mean? <laughs> you, have a, you have a clone Ooh, if i can't turn you maybe so uh he 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 goes i don't need you so he does the whole thing where he sends his person to bring ben there you know with some phantasmal thing but ben's at the hospital which this of the of the story I really like because Ben Riley's like, I've given up my life and I'm going to go and I've, and I've gone away. I'm going to fight those memories. Cause I know they're all implanted, but the one I won't give up is Aunt May, my mother. He's like that one. I can't fight. She's sick. And I want to see her one last time. And I'm like, all right, I really like that. 
And he's kind of like, maybe I should help Peter and all this, but I'm way out of practice and everything. But Judas Traveler is going to bring him. And now it's like, because I only read the two issues, like, oh, is, is Ben going to go or is Ben not going to go? Um, yeah. So I kind of I kind of like the idea of Ben. Like right out of the gate, if that's what their premise is, I hate Peter and I respect Ben, if that makes any sense. I, I I get it. I just, the whole Judas Traveler thing, I don't like his look. And I just, I don't understand what's going on. And I guess I missed the reveal of, uh, you know, them meeting for the first time. I, I don't know how that kind of would have went. Like, did he take it, you know, just like, hey, who are you kind of a deal. So it's kind of anticlimactic that they've seen each other at the beginning, if that makes any sense. Okay, so I could have thrown in here one other issue to read beforehand mm -hmm. where it's essentially we don't know who this person is there's a shadowy figure that is yes. keep going to may parker's thing right mm -hmm. he ref like he does his best to avoid things what are his intentions and that's going on for like a month ahead of time we never see who this person is they give us no clues and then at the end of spectacular spider-man 216 um you know peter after he like beats the oblivion beats the brakes off if you will the poor scorpion he's mm -hmm. like oh maybe i should go see how aunt may is doing there's this secret thing that i can go into on the roof and no one can see me and the clone saga is like oh luckily there's this secret thing on the roof uh like ben riley's like luckily there's this secret escape on the roof that i could get out and no one could see me and then the last page of spectacular spider-man 216 is them meeting face to face on that last page okay that makes then, kind of right, and then Web Spider Man one seventeen is that last page of Spectacular Spider Man two sixteen. I figured as much, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like that moment, I I guess could have been cool. Not, I, it's already spoiled, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But you get you get what I'm trying to say. And a couple of things that I noticed was I could even without seeing the writer credit, I knew when J M Dematis was writing the book because yep. he has he has a style and he has a way of thinking that immediately like pops out like there's even like an eight page the clone like being made by whoever he was made by and Miles he's Warren right and he's like you know I'm thinking and I'm and these faces and I'm like and it's ex very existential and I'm like this is all jam this is all jam and the stark difference between art in the first book and the second boy Mark Bagley is a great artist Joe <laughs> <laughs> Mark Bagley's a great artist. That first issue was looking a little too image for me. That's all I'm going to say. Well, that, and that's what everyone was being told to do at the time, you know? Oh, I agree. But there is, I will say this because on the art, there's a great moment where Mark, where uh, Mark Bagley's drawing it. And they, sh and just to quick wrap it up is MJ's talking to her aunt. And at the time, Ben is talking, is is waiting to see Aunt May. And they go through the whole thing with MJ where she's going to go reconcile with her family because Peter's been a jerk or whatever. And and Aunt Anna, I believe her name yes. is, is looking out at the moon through the window. And it's four three panels across the top. And then they slowly fade into, as best as you can do in a, you know, a, a drawn comic, of Ben looking out the window to the moon. And the doctor comes in and startles him. And he, and he has to quick on his feet. He's like, do I know this doctor? Do I not know this doctor? How well yeah. do I know this doctor? I'm like, that's written very, drawn very well and then written very well in the... Like him on his toes, Ben Ben Riley fish out of water. What do I do in this situation? It's that's very like I said, Ben was the best part of this book, mm -hmm. and Peter was probably the worst. Or 
Judas Traveler's outfit. Those were the two. <laughs> I think Judas Traveler was uh, Johnny Depp, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow before Johnny Depp was Captain Jack Sparrow. I was thinking the same thing because he's a pirate rock star, man. Right. So uh, rereading these, right? And I read, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I read it at the time and maybe I've revisited it once or twice over the last 20 some odd years. But I forget, and even you kind of just speaking it aloud, I forget how much this story arc mm, a little bit more than liberally borrows from Batman Nightfall. Right. Where you have the two different bat the two different Batman and the two different Spider-Man. You have the newly created villain who has like his army of very specific to him goons. That are going to be like the people that Spider-Man or Batman's going to have to beat on the way to the big baddie. Um, obviously, we and then there, you have your home for the criminal, criminally insane, whether it be Ravencroft or Arkham okay. Asylum. You know, this is very much. I feel as though they looked at Nightfall and they're just like, "Ah, eh, put Spider-Man in it." You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I'll just say more on Judas Traveler as the story unfolds, Todd. Why do I feel more on everybody as the story Yes. Not, not omnipotent. He was able to absorb Spider-Man's blows. He could teleport. He could do all these things. He's he's frankly amazing, this, uh, this Judas Traveler. I will say that's one of the things that I'm right out of the gate. I'm like, okay, we're two issues in, and nobody's established what his, like, what his powers are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just all over the place. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I'm I'm interested to find out about this pirate rock star and what his abilities are. Yes. So I think what do I have next? The next two issues, just uh, uh, three and four. I believe I have to look. Uh, I don't have my list in front of me. I'm sorry. Uh, what do I have to read? I'll get back okay, to you. Right. So my your you next have to read parts three and four of Power and Responsibility, mm-hmm. which is Spider Man fifty one. And spectacular Spider-Man 217. Right. And you have to read just two more one-shot issues, which are Jonah Hex 3 and Jonah Hex 4. Perfect. All right. So, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have some art attacks this week, Joe. Um, from Rebecca's art, uh, some OC character sketches from Rebecca. I believe OC stands for original characters, Joe. Um mm. Uh, just at some people with uh, dog heads, you know, just at rough. You can even tell that, you know, the paper's all crinkly. It was just like thrown together kind of a deal, but they all look really cool. They each have like an individual kind of kind of look to them, you know, balding one dog and another dog with a hat on. Uh, I like, you know, that's the kind of stuff how you work out uh, what you're what the look you're trying to achieve. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, one, of course, I always like to see on just the head where you see like the, the, the circle and the lines and stuff where everything goes to -hmm. start. I love seeing that process underneath all of that. And, uh, they say, oh, some OC character sketches. I say that looks one, that looks nothing like Orange Cassidy Two, that is uh, McGriff, the crime dog hipped up for the younger folks. Oh, that is true. I could see how that could be McGriff, the crime dog. Yes. 
also i put in an art attack uh my luke ross page from jonah hex number one i figured since we're gonna be talking about it um i would show it off again and this is the one where the doctor comes to talk to jonah hex as we were doing while jonah hex is feeding the the uh, guy who killed the kid to the dogs and uh just a powerful page and there's a great uh, two shots where he, where Jonah may or may not look like a certain actor that made me pick up this piece. <laughs> now, is there a reason with this page that those two panels in particular are so predominantly like filled in and the other ones are not at all? Is that like part of the coloring process? Like what's um, up with that? Because like the one where the guy's back is to Jonah, where Jonah's looking out and the guy, that is all shaded. So they probably added the blacks later. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, yeah, this, yeah. Is a this is a heavily, um, cause this is a terrible scan. I even said to somebody today, um, this was back before, like I had this scanned maybe 12 years ago, 13 years ago, Tom had let me use his scanner, um, at the house. And then he, he didn't so much scan it as he copied it on his oversized scanner. And then okay. printer and printed out a piece and I scanned the little piece because we didn't have scanners that big back then. You know what I mean? So it's a copy and it doesn't look as good. But a lot of stuff here, when you actually see the pencils, is for later to be just inked out. And uh, you like black, completely black. So he's like, I don't really need to fill those in. The, the colorless. The colorless. I can't say the word I'm looking for. We'll do that. Somebody else will do that. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm trying to say now? I do. Okay. But I enjoy that page. I wish I had more. Let's just put it that way. All right. So I think that's everything this week, right? As mentioned at the top of the show, no TV, no movies. We'll be uh, talking about the debut episode of WandaVision uh, next week, of course. More Jonah Hex, more uh, Clone Saga, Spider Clone Saga, pardon me. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think and, that's uh, everything. Yeah. All know? right. Well, for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Episode 537, Long Box Heroes. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.